0: By your heads with me. And as you find yourself breathing in and out, realize what a gift that is. And God's Holy Spirit comes to us in a sense as a breath of fresh air. The living Spirit of God coming to us and giving us the capacity to breathe spiritually, to live. So Lord, in your mercy, please take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, in your service sheet, you have a map. I'd like you to get it out. It's going to come on the screen as well. It sets the stage for the... Journeys of Paul on his second missionary trip. As a result of his first missionary trip, as we've been studying the Acts of the Apostles, one of the books of the New Testament, written by Dr. Luke, same author of Luke's Gospel, as we have read that together over the years, Luke's Gospel and the Acts of the Apostles. It tells a whole story. The coming of Christ, death and resurrection of Jesus, the birth of the church with the Acts of the Apostles, and then the early history of the church on fire. I love that picture on the front of your service sheet. The Acts of the Apostles flaming with passion and energy. That was the early church. And it grew exponentially. And when Paul set out on his first missionary journey with Barnabas and others, Gentiles, just like you and me, came to faith. It was a revelation this was an unfolding revelation and we've been following that along. So that last week one of the problems of the early church was what do you do with these gentiles who are not Jews? All the first believers were Jews. The first missionaries taking the gospel out were Jews. You've got to capture that picture. They had a Jewish heritage. They knew the Old Testament and they were their living scriptures. And they had a way of life and rules and regulations about that life, which was part of their heritage. And the big question was this. When the Gentiles become believers, do they have to become Jews in order to be bona fide Christians? That is, when they believed that Jesus really was the Savior of the world, and had come to save them from their sins so they need not go to hell but could have Jesus in their lives and by the Spirit of the living God be made alive and new. It was breathtaking for the pagan Gentiles living in a secular world of paganism with all kinds of religious practices that were Bordering on debauchery in many cases, sexual debauchery. And then they found out they could be made clean, made new, come to faith in Jesus, who had died for them. And it was a whole new life, and they joyfully received Jesus. Well, the Jewish people in those communities then wanted them, because they knew Jesus was also their Messiah, prophesied from ages to come, wanted them to become Jews as well. Wanted the Gentiles to become Jews in order to be bona fide followers of Jesus the Messiah. That was the big issue that got settled last week in terms of our study from Acts chapter 15. And the word was this that they do not have to become Jews. They don't have to get circumcised, they don't have to go through all our food regulations and Live like we have lived and been raised. But there were certain things that they needed not to do and others that they needed to do. And as that message went out, so there was a tremendous liberty. So Paul goes out on a second missionary journey and revisits all those places he'd been before and tells them the good news. The good news is that they don't have to get into all that Jewish ritual and regulations and start living as if they're Jewish. And that set them free to really follow Jesus in their own contemporary context without going backwards in time into all those rules and regulations. Now if you turn to page 6 in your service sheet, it will bring you to Acts chapter 16, the Acts of the Apostles chapter 16, the very next chapter which describes this journey of Paul, and you've got a map there with you. So, with the map on the screen behind me as well, he came to Derby, and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer. So this is where Timothy comes on the scene. Interestingly, that Paul ends up writing two whole epistles to Timothy, who's this young guy who he picks up and has him join the team and continue on from there, traveling with them. As it goes on to say, the brothers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Now, I wish I could have you, and maybe you do, live a life as exciting as mine. I want to talk about the adventure of being called into mission with Jesus. Not that you have to become a preacher or a professional in the ministry, but as this text unfolds, you realize that all of us are a part of the team. We're all in if we know and love the Lord Jesus. If we belong to him, we're in the team. Did you notice that as they went from church to church with the good news and encouraged the believers, did you see what it said there right at the end of that last verse? They were strengthened in the faith and grew daily In numbers. How do you think that happened? Daily the church was growing. That wasn't buildings like this. They didn't have churches for the first buildings like this for the first four centuries. They worshipped in homes, in woods, by the river different places they gathered. In Jerusalem, they could go to the temple. The Jews sometimes would bring their faith to worship together in the synagogues. But with the Gentiles, they met in homes and it was more of a light, refreshing fellowship time. And week by week, those numbers were multiplying Because the ordinary believers, and this is when you start sleuthing in the text and realizing what's going on here. The churches weren't growing because they had professional preachers. But the people were so excited about discovering the Lord, they shared that good news, and so it spread. And the churches grew. Paul gathered around him an entourage that traveled with him. We know the names of three other people who were traveling in the company of Paul, as well as Paul's name himself. The close of chapter 15, which you don't have in front of you, it speaks of Paul taking Silas, and they traveled together. So Silas was one of the group that traveled with him. When you get to chapter 16, the piece we've just read, Timothy joined them and was a part of that team. So now you've got Silas and Paul and Timothy. And then a dead giveaway as to who the other person we know is comes in verse 10. Take a look at verse 10 and see if you can spot it. Where it says, after Paul had seen the vision, that is of the Macedonian begging Paul to come over and help them in Macedonia, they got ready at once, as it says here, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The clue is this, the we and the us. The author included himself. We, including himself. Us, including himself. Who was the author? Luke, Dr. Luke. So we know that Paul had Silas and Timothy and Luke as part of the entourage. The idea of team. The churches were a team, vibrant, living, gathering people, the church growing daily, and Paul with his missionary enterprise formed a team. And that team was going from place to place, encouraging the local teams. Different ministries, but all a part of the same on fire, vibrant life of a living church. A church, a young church in action. You probably don't know this, most of you, but this past week, Pastor Jamie Kendrew, Pastor Jared Ott, and Kathy Klein were in the Dominican Republic reconnoitering, researching whether that's the next place we as a church can commit ourselves in the same manner that we have in the past been committed for over a decade to Uganda. Uganda and a very poor part of Uganda even. Not the whole nation, but a very poor part of that nation. A team went out from here to research that. But we, the team here, will be a part of that venture, and if that's where we end up going, that's yet to be determined, that will be our new adventure together. And you can get in on that. Have you ever heard the phrase, you can't steer a boat that's standing still? Well, you have now. You can't steer a boat that's standing still. You have to be in motion. And it's in the everyday responsibilities of being a lover of Jesus and following him that he leads and directs. So, Timothy, who'd become a believer, for instance, was well spoken of by the brethren around. And Paul captures him for his ministry and takes him with him. And he ends up becoming a leader of the church in Ephesus. And that's where Paul writes to him some years later. But it started with Timothy doing the ordinary things as one of the fellows in the church. Lystra and Iconium, they spoke well of him. And we're all in this together. We're in this team. You, if you know and love Jesus and belong here, are a part of the team. That's why we look for you to get committed and be a part of the team. But it was in that context of the day to day, the ordinary stuff, that something spectacular happened. How has your week been? What's going on in your life? In your day-to-day life? Do you see anything happening spiritually? Encouragements? People you speak to? People you know? People in your family? What's happening? A woman came into my office this week. She doesn't worship here, so it's not one of us here. She knew of me from some other place and time. She was going up to Massachusetts to see her dad who's dying of cancer. She came to me asking me to help her share the gospel with her dad because she was very uncertain as to whether he was a real believer or not. And in fact, the heartwarming tale came along with that request that their 11-year-old daughter had written, therefore, to her grandfather with that same concern, talking to him in the letter about coming to know the Lord, and drew a cross. well, what grandfather can resist a little 11-year-old granddaughter sending that kind of note? The artillery's already been launched into his life. But because of the daughter's faith, the mother of this little girl, this woman who's going up to Massachusetts, because of her faith, the dad is looking to her for some consoling assurance about what happens when he dies. And she wanted to know how to share the faith. So I gave her a Billy Graham tract which I had in my office opened it up I took one and I led her through it and said this is how you lead your dad through it you do with him what I'm doing with you and then you pray with him that prayer at the end that's ordinary day to day stuff she's got a dad dying She wants some encouragement as to how to be sure that he is going to go to heaven when he dies and to share the simple facts of the gospel so that he can know for sure he's going to go to heaven when he dies. That's good news. I had dinner in Bravo's at Robinson this week. And this often happens, and I don't know what you do when it happens to you, but one of the wait staff came up and said to me, Do you remember me? I looked at her and said, Yes, I do. I did. I wouldn't have placed her necessarily as wait staff, but I knew I knew her. Well, it happened that I was dining there about six months ago, and she came and asked me to pray for her son, who is in prison and was going to be there for X number of years. And we prayed right there in the restaurant. This lady dressed as a wait staff in a Bravo's. And we just prayed together. She came up to me and said, I just got news this week that my son's sentence is being commuted by 15 years. And he is coming out of prison this November. She was Exhilarated, And she said, I hoped you were going to come in because you remember praying for him, which I did. And I wanted to share that good news with you. To which I said, standing right there in front of everybody else in the middle of the restaurant, let's thank the Lord together. And we stood there and we just prayed and thanked the Lord for the the good news. And she can't wait to bring her son with her to this church, to introduce him to me. That's just day-to-day stuff. Well, I'm glad you're encouraged. That's day-to-day stuff. That's life. In the fast lane with Jesus, there is nothing boring about loving Jesus. And if you are bored, come and see me or one of our staff people I know you'd be terrified at the very thought of really getting connected and engaged, but that's the name of the game. The picture is of commitment to Jesus, connected to each other, and then pulling together and working in a team so that you are invested together in getting something done for the Lord. We really do promote, and I'm going to stop and do it again here right now, The whole idea of a small group. If you're not connected to a small group or with a group in ministry in the church, which is another way to get connected to a group, stuff was happening here because they had become believers and then they'd gotten connected and then committed to a project or a ministry, or a lifestyle that communicated the good news of the gospel. To get convicted or committed and connected and invested. That's the big deal. So look out for that opportunity because we are looking out to give you that opportunity. It's clear that the church is in growing daily, We're experiencing that kind of relationship, and it's in the business of just a day-to-day living that the big move is made. Huge, because they get as far as Troas, and along the way, Paul is experiencing doors closing to him, and it was a spiritual experience. Look at verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled together through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and you can see that on your map or on the map behind me, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, which you can see there in the map. And when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, which you can see on the map. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, which was a port city. There were some no's along the way before that amazing vision. Because that's where the Lord was headed. And the Lord was moving Paul in such a way as to direct him beyond what is now Turkey into the west to Macedonia and Greece and you can look at your map and you see that's where next week you'll be as you head into Philippi but the vision of the Macedonian begging Paul to come over and help he took that here he is in Troas, port city being shut out of other places by the Lord communicating to him And it's always very, very difficult in some respects to know, in every respect for me and you, to know how it was that Jesus communicated to Paul that this wasn't the place or that wasn't the place to go. It shows you how closely Paul walked with the Lord and was sensitive to his leadership. Leadership. So they got ready immediately and took off for Europe, for Macedonia. And when I say that was a huge move, now the gospel is traveling into Europe, and that's how it spread up through Europe, and eventually to the United States of America as Europeans came to the USA with the gospel. The first big move was this Macedonian call with the no's, N O, no, 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 Jesus stopping Paul going this way or that, and then getting the call to go to Macedonia and taking off immediately and going there. They're going into Europe, and that's the beginning of a mission that spread up through Europe. That's a huge piece of history. We're here, in some sense, because of that move. But the drama of that is in the day-to-day ordinary living of Paul and his team and the churches to which they were visiting. And so it is for us, in the middle of the ordinary day-to-day things, That God can direct you to other things and larger things and other ministries. Touching the lives of other people. So you pray with us about whether we should go into the Dominican Republic. We haven't had a vision. Pastor Jamie has not had a vision of uh, somebody speaking Spanish to him, telling him to come to the Dominican Republic, but That's where we probably are going to be headed. You pray about that. But my encouragement to you is about your day-to-day living. Let the Lord steer you, direct you. Get connected and get invested. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for us that has drawn us made us your own inspire our day to day living may the growing daily lives of each one of us start touching the lives of others that we can pray for them share your love with them And keep moving them along with ourselves. Along the path of your love and mercy and peace. We pray this for your name's sake, Lord Jesus. Amen.